Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So last week on The Scruffy Stuff, we got the sights and sounds of baseball. From Durham, North Carolina, our Knox News reporter-photographer duo Ryan Willis and Calvin Matheis traveled to Durham to see what Knoxville baseball fans can expect when the downtown Smoky Stadium comes online. Guys, how was the popcorn at the Bulls Stadium? We didn't have any popcorn, did we? Did we, we? But we ate really good. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that's the one thing we didn't eat. We had everything else. Uh, they're, they're, they're peanuts there, though. You know, those uh, stadium peanuts, amazing. That's what Calvin had. I had a bratwurst, roasted vegetables, some cheese curds. They gave us the whole spread up there in the PNC uh, Triangle Club, which is something I'm sure we're going to talk about just because um, that's the place where they host events. I know in Knoxville, there's a lot of events expected to take place at the stadium. So I know you're leading this one, but that's something maybe worth asking about and worth talking about. It's just how the events work there in Durham. Thank you for those suggestions on what I should ask. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) We're coming at you with a new episode of The Scruffy Stuff talking all about our takeaways from that Durham trip and what Knoxville baseball fans can expect here in Knoxville. I'm Brenna McDermott, Growth and Development Editor at Knox News, joined by Ryan Willis, Downtown Reporter at Knox News, and Calvin Mattis, Photojournalist here at Knox News and producer of The Scruffy Stuff. The Scruffy Stuff is presented by KnoxNews.com, where you can find everything we discuss here on the show and a whole lot more. Knox News relies on support from readers and listeners to provide you compelling stories from Knoxville and across East Tennessee. Subscribers get an all-access pass to all of our premium exclusive content. And to become a subscriber, it's easy. Just visit knoxnews.com slash subscribe to see our latest offer and sign up today. Before we start, I want to make sure listeners know we have all kinds of content over at knoxnews.com about this trip to Durham and some of the takeaways. We've got insights, analysis, photos, videos. Head on over to knoxnews.com for all the details. But I want to talk big picture today. It's been a couple weeks since you got back from this trip. If you could choose, you know, one one insight that's really percolating inside your head. One thing that stands out most from from your trip to Durham and what it might mean for Knoxville, what would that be? Yeah, I think the important thing that that I learned, and it's something that's very unique to a downtown stadium, um, Knoxville's in a good spot right now because we're building from scratch. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, just kind of abandoned properties in the Magnolia Warehouse District. Uh, Durham has learned over the years... um, that you know once you build a downtown stadium you kind of have to get it right the first time or it's going to be more difficult to adjust um you're sort of landlocked in a way um especially as 
uh, new developments come in like they're expected to when a downtown stadium comes into a city to attract investment, whether it's um, you know commercial, office space, uh, or or residential. And once those lots that are now empty that we that we see over in the Magnolia Warehouse District start to get developed, it's going to be a lot harder for uh, Randy Boyd and for the Tennessee Smokies or for whoever um, is making investments into the actual stadium to grow. Now, whether that means you know, um, I think one of the big things that they didn't anticipate was. Uh, storage space and how much storage they were going to need in a downtown, uh, a loading dock, uh, trash. These are not like the most exciting things, but these are things that, you know, I think if the Durham Bulls had a chance to go back and start from scratch or things that they would have maybe prioritized even over the 10,000 seats that are in that stadium. If you talk to the Durham Bulls officials, they actually wish there were maybe less. And based on all the reporting you've done over the years about the stadium here in Knoxville, has Randy Boyd thought about those things that the Durham team maybe wishes they'd put a little more thought into? I think uh, the big thing that Randy Boyd has talked about and considered, and it's and it's something um, that Durham Bulls echoed that's uh, important, is thinking about events. Um, you know, I mentioned that PNC Triangle Club earlier, where they had the nice spread. Um, before that, PNC Triangle Club was there. It was just a bunch of suites, and they actually had to knock out some walls and, and build a bigger space because they only had room, I think, for 25 people. Is that right? Yeah, 25 people. Then a large part of that uh, Triangle Club was the press box. Yeah, I think they had 261 events at the stadium in 2019. But, um, you know, there's events like in the PNC Triangle Club. But another part that I know Boyd is focused on is the events that might take place on the field, whether it's concerts. And um, I think we've said it on the podcast before, and I know he said it, that it could take days to set up for a show in Kodak. They're hoping it just takes hours um, with uh, making sure that the stadium is designed for easy load in, easy load out. Um, talking with Scott Strickland, the vice president of operations, they were the Bulls. He was mentioning, you know, little things like if uh, if a concert wants to come and they have, you know, three uh, tractor trailers filled of equipment, where are they going to park? Are they going to um, have to park five blocks away and then move all that equipment over? Or is there room for them to pull into the stadium, maybe park on the warning track and make that experience easier? So I know Randy Boyd has learned, I think, through trial and error with what's happened at the Kodak Stadium. Um, luckily, they have a blank slate because Durham – has learned through trial and error, but they were already were in downtown when they've learned some of these things. And, um, you know, it's harder, harder to adjust once the stadium is already up and running. Calvin, what was your biggest takeaway? <laughs> I'm not likening uh, the stadium to this place, but when you go to West Town Mall, um, you see people from all walks of life, every age, every background, everybody comes to the mall. We're all here to shop. doesn't matter who you are. And that is exactly what I saw at the Durham Bulls uh, Athletic Park. We're walking around the the concourse and here's a group of like old guys you know hanging out next to them is you know a young family eating ice cream and then you know a uh, a couple on a date and you know it, it and probably a lot of people speaking some different languages too um it was just um a true hub of community all walks of life and that is something that randy boyd is uh trying to foster um that this is a community hub that it's so much more than just a baseball field and a baseball game. It is a place of everyone to come together in the community, East Knoxville, West Knoxville, North and South Knoxville. Everybody comes to the ballpark um, to enjoy themselves. And that's so interesting when you paint that picture, Calvin, because I always think of downtown as being sort of a hub of, of activity and people come together. But when you think about, okay, what's downtown that's really driving all kinds of people to that one spot. We don't have something like that right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I mean, uh, talking with some of the people at, at, 
it was crazy that I got them to admit this, but I was like, you know, does it really matter who wins the game? And I was like, I know it matters to the team who wins the game, but does it really matter to the fans? And they're like, you know, we have some fans that come in here and they make a beeline straight to the bar and they sit there and watch sports on TV and just turn around every now and then and look at what's happening at the game. And so you had a lot uh, of that happening. You had people that probably never even looked at the game, but they were there to hang out. Um, you know, I think one thing that Durham wishes they also had, and I mentioned earlier, they wish they had less seats. They would like to replace those seats with social areas, which is something that I know Randy Boyd has focused a lot on just because Scott Strickland, the vice president of operations for the Bulls, was telling me, you know, back in the day, if you had a party, a birthday party perhaps of 10 people, you would buy 10 tickets and you would all sit in the same row and you would face the same direction and, and watch the game. And that's just not the business model anymore. And so um, that's just another example of something um, that Randy Boyd has thought about that we saw in, in, you know, in action in Durham and that he's already planning for. But there are some things that um, are kind of uh, contradicting um, some of the stuff that we took away from Durham. What are those contradictions, Ryan? I think the, the big thing is, is the parking situation. Um, I know I, I, I laid this out there for everybody because I know there's probably three um, big uh, points of concern for the Knoxville community surrounding this stadium. Uh, there's more, but if I had to pick three... One has been um, the taxpayer money that's gone towards it, which we've kind of overcome now. The stadium has been approved. Um, the other one is just the involvement of different types of communities in this stadium, whether it's um, you know minority disadvantaged businesses um, participating in the construction or in the job opportunities that follow. But the other one is the parking situation. Uh, Randy Boyd has said that there's no additional parking plan, that there's enough lots within walking distance that people will walk past businesses and stop in for a beer or stop in for um, you know, a meal before the game or go buy a t-shirt. And I'm sure that there are lots of people that will do that. Um, I don't think that's going to be the majority that wants to do that, especially I can think of two examples that are opposites that would not want to do that. One is the family that comes from out of town that, um, you know, just wants to get in and get out. The kids want to watch the baseball game. They're going to leave by the sixth inning and just, you know, are there to experience, um, just a family outing. But even, you know, for somebody like me, um, who I spend a lot of time downtown. I don't, if I want to go to a lot of Durham Bulls games, I don't want to have to go and get a beer and a burger, you know, before every single game. Sometimes I'm just going to want to park down at the stadium and and go home. Especially, you know, I live you know very close. I don't want to have to have that. Like it's like it's a big deal every single time I go to a Knoxville Smokies game. I mean, they happen 72 times a year. I don't want to go get 72 you know, days worth of drinks and food before Smokey's games. Of course, Scruffy Stuff listeners will know that this podcast has been raising the alarm on parking for what feels like years now. I mean, I think uh, we're all in agreement about that. Calvin, thoughts on parking? Actually, we, so when we sat down with the Bulls' uh, vice president, Mike Burling, he also said, you have to be realistic. You know, for me, I'm the average person, I guess. For the one time I go, I don't mind parking down under the highway somewhere and walking a couple blocks because it is uh, an event. It's something special. But if I'm going, you know, five, six, ten, whatever games a, a year, a season, um, that becomes a little tedious. I don't want to make that walk again. And maybe I'll park somewhere else. But I still got to walk. You got to be realistic. It's it's my first impression of going to the ball game and my last impression leaving well said yeah and um you mentioned i go to five six games a year um that might be the expectation for um people um but i think when we talked to durham it was what the average fan attendance they attend 1.3 games per year um and so i mean we we were talking about that in the context of you know them trying to make an effort just to you know get them to two games per year and what that could do for um for for the downtown community but yeah mike burling 
I mean, he went as far as to say, you know, the fans are going to be mad at the Tennessee Smokies before that first game even gets played because they're not going to know how to get down there and how to park. And it seems easy. And I think even Randy Boyd acknowledged it. Like people think, you know, that because it's not Walmart, there's not enough parking. Well, people think like if people think, then people are going to act. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. That's how people think. And so um, they even talked with Jeff Durham, which is uh, the leader of the uh, Durham Chamber of Commerce. Um, and His last name is Durham. Yeah, a coincidence. Yeah, he's not even from the area. But um, yeah, he was just saying, you know, you got to kind of get fans out of that suburban mindset of sight lines and, you know, looking at where you want to go and then finding parking. And, um, you know, one way to do that is to make sure that they can get there first and then educate them and provide some of that education in advance, too. Yeah, if you're coming from Farragut and you don't come downtown a lot and you don't know where to park and you're not used to parking and then walking half a mile or a quarter of a mile, that's a big hump to get over. And if you do come down from Farragut, there's, you know, maybe you're going to the old city, but I think we've talked also in the Surfy stuff a lot that the Market Square garage is the place people go, and that's not exactly close to the stadium. Right. So what were the other ways in which you think the Smoky Stadium, the the Knoxville development around it, would differ from, from Durham? Well, it is two different cities in a lot of ways i mean we think about what happened in durham it this stadium was the catalyst for downtown growth as a whole when when the stadium opened there was um nothing else to do downtown and so part of the reason i, I feel like that the parking structures were built there near the stadium in the beginning is because people needed to get in and out um knoxville is a little bit different and so there is already this um you know development uh and and thriving business community nearby I think actually, you know, Durham has done a great job with the American Tobacco Campus, which is a, you know, old uh, Lucky Strike warehouses that um, now have restaurants and um, office space in them. It's kind of like a destination as well. Downtown already has a nearby, not a destination, no single destination. It's just, you know, a downtown community in the old city of businesses that I think could actually make for an even more exciting game day than what Durham's offered. And they've had, you know, 20 some years of, of practice here. Um, I think the layout uh, of Knoxville, this is what you're asking, is 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 just better suited, I think, to support a downtown stadium. But the parking, I don't think, you know, that that can also, you know, cancel out that that positive that, you know, downtown is already developed. But the Magnolia Warehouse District is, is what I'm most excited to see actually get developed. And that's where the similarities with Durham are, because Durham Stadium also was built in a warehouse district and um, on the edge of downtown. And so. Um, there's some similarities, but we're definitely further along than when Durham was when their stadium opened. I was interested to read that a big part of the American Tobacco Campus is office space, which right. is not something that so far we've heard is planned for around the stadium. And I wondered, you know, do you think uh, the Magnolia Warehouse District is ripe for for office? Or is that something that doesn't necessarily fit the identity of the area around the stadium? I think maybe we can look at downtown Knoxville, Old City. It, it, it tends more to lean on the residential and restaurant side, whereas downtown Durham and that area is more office heavy. Yeah, and not only office heavy, but a, a really big focus on tech. And that's one area that's different between Durham and Knoxville is you have the research triangle in Durham. It's Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh. And so they've had these, um, you know, tech companies come in and it's, you know, sort of a hub for creative folks as well. Um, but regardless of whatever the industry is, whether it's tech or whether it's, you know, whatever um, Knoxville industry wants to take advantage of having their their space near the ballpark, 
Um, one thing I think that we learned from Durham is that you need to have a pretty decent commitment from a major tenant early on. And in Durham, it was Duke University um, and their and their commitment to occupying some of the office space around there. And then developers could go back to the table and say, hey, look, not only do we have a baseball here, but we have this major person that's putting their money into this area as well. And I think that went a long way in helping some of those off- other office spaces get filled in. Um, so you need an early adopter who's willing to put enough uh, cash down on a lease to to make it significant for other potential leasers. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if you know University of Tennessee hadn't moved into TVA Tower, you know, if getting University of Tennessee over there near the stadium with Randy Boyd's connection, I mean, maybe there still are opportunities with his connection to get um, some UT space over there. Um, but I think it's going to take something like that. And the other important thing. Um, to note as well is just the reasons why Durham went um, office instead of uh, residential. I think they had considered putting some residential in their first um, buildings that overlooked the stadium, and their reason for not doing it was because there's the stadium is loud and it's bright, and they were worried about whether or not um, you know people would actually be interested in living there. There's um, one thing that we can talk about with the going back to the parking, but it's related to this question is that um, day games have virtually gone away at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park, and that's related to the parking because um, you know those parking decks are filling up with people who are working downtown during the day, and it's not until they leave that um, you can start to file fans in for a game. And so, um, with there being night games, that means the games aren't getting over until late. Maybe there's post-game fireworks. And then there's all the stadium cleanup that has to happen afterwards. And so the stadium lights are on until the early morning hours. And there was concerns that, oh, well, what's that going to do for residents that are looking over the stadium? So the office space is only really occupied during the day. Um, But then you also hear the other side of the office tenants who are paying to see a green field all year round. And actually, the Durham Bulls have gotten complaints that the field's not green enough during the winter. So they've they've resorted to painting the grass green to accommodate these office tenants. So there's always going to be a problem in a downtown environment, whether it's the views, whether it's the sound. Um, I think, you know, the residential makes sense uh, for Randy Boyd to do just because if you're just following basic economic like trends, right, like you need to have the people there before you have the businesses there. And that's going to ensure that that happens. I think uh, consumers are probably eager to hear, okay, we've heard all of these promises about the stadium's going to draw new restaurants and bars and retail and services around it as the apartments and condos come up. Um, What was the mix of commercial business like around the Durham Stadium? And was there a, a single tenant or business that really surprised you? There was a lot, I think, that surprised us and I think surprised um, the Capital Broadcasting Company, which owns the Bulls and also has developed properties uh, around the area. Uh, When it started out, a lot of the focus was on what you would think would be associated with baseball. Maybe that's... um, Remember, I I don't actually know the specific business before uh, other than that, you know, they were kind of... um, in that area because the stadium was there, whether that might be, I don't know, memorabilia shops or sports bars. There's still a sports bar that overlooks the stadium. But over the years, they've kind of transitioned that model to be more about businesses that can survive on their own. People are going to come down to that area anyways if they're bull- if they're interested in going to a Bulls game. Um, but how do you get people down here all throughout the year who maybe stop in um, at a coffee and crepe shop? It's a place that uh, is right outside the stadium gates, um, literally I mean, like you could <laughs> touch the door and touch the gate almost with, you know, standing in the same spot. And and that's somewhere that actually closes before the games even start um, mm-hmm. on most days. But, you know, you have people down there during the day. The box office is just a short walk away. Um, it's just a it's just businesses being there is like a reminder too when you see the stadium that, oh, yeah, the, the Bulls play here. And, uh, you know, maybe I should go get a ticket. But 
there, um, you know, it was interesting in the American Tobacco Campus. I think more than half of the uh, restaurant tenants in there are women or minority-owned businesses, um, which is we can talk about that in more detail. But that was like a, a conscious effort that they made. Um, but yeah, a coffee and crepe shop. There was a stationery shop. There was um, a Moe's, which um, makes sense to have. Actually, we can get into this too about um, how uh, chains and how office uh, office tenant rates can actually supplement um below market rates for some of these um disadvantaged businesses but um it was a whole a whole mix absolutely diversity matters and i think that's really what adam klein uh with the capital broadcasting company who owns the tobacco campus and which also owns the durham bulls um that's what they talked about a lot is is giving an opportunity to that mom and pop restaurant or shop or or uh, just bringing something new and exciting there and getting people like Ryan mentioned uh, the stationery shop. Why, why in the world would you think a stationery shop paper products would make any sense next to a baseball stadium? Well, actually, he said that it is, it is incredibly successful and there's people shopping there all the time. And I guess that's what people need. And Yeah, especially if you're going to have a focus on residential. Like, you know, if you have a resident living outside a stadium, they don't need to just go to a sports bar for three meals a day. Like, they're going to need other options. They're going to need the coffee and grapes and the stationery and uh, a pharmacy. I think actually part of the expansion of the American Tobacco Campus, which is another example of a lot that's getting filled in, is making it harder for the stadium to grow. They're doing it themselves, but they've had this parking lot that's um, served as parking for for game days that they're now building uh, a development on and that's going to include a grocery store and so they're seeing the residential um, folks come in and um, the businesses around there are reflecting that there are people living in the area but one thing um, that I tried to ask everybody because there's the skepticism of some of these big three things that I think people had concerns about the parking uh, the the cost of the stadium the public cost and then um, the, the big one is, you know, how are different communities going to be involved in this process? And, um, you know, you ask Randy Boyd, you ask the Durham Bulls, um, you know, why, why do you do this? And their answer is because we care about the community, but there's still skepticism from a lot of people too. It's like, why, why do you care about the community? And I don't think we've ever really gotten an answer about, uh, I think people really want to know, like, what do you get out of it? Not necessarily in a negative way, but I want to understand like why you were doing this so I can fully comprehend, you know, why it's worth me getting invested in this stadium. Um, right. Cause at the end of the day, Randy Boyd's a businessman too. And he can say all day that he's doing things out of the goodness of his heart, but he has to make money. Yeah. And, and so I think it would, here's something that I'm just going to suggest. I feel like, you know, everybody should just be transparent in this because transparency actually helps people understand rather than just, you know, making these promises. And so I asked the Durham Bulls and everybody that we talked to, okay, I get that you care about the community, but there has to be something that's advantageous to you. And everybody that we talked to with the Bulls said, while this, while this isn't why we do it, of course, having, a, you know, a a diverse community where all types of people can come and visit is advantageous to us because we're going to have, you know, more Bulls fans, of course, getting involved in youth initiatives and, and supporting a baseball league. I mean, there, um, I think it's over 500 students at the Durham Bulls pay for all their equipment, their registration, uh, everything, uniforms, you know, we want to help those kids, but also, you know, we're creating Bulls fans for life. And these are kids that are going to come back hopefully. Um, and you know, be going to Bulls games with, with the families that they have later on. And so, um, even down to the restaurant tents, we talked about them being over, um, you know, a majority of women or minority owned. Well, you have office tenants above these restaurant tenants and, you know, maybe you charge a little extra to the office tenants 
to be able to charge a little bit less to the the mom and pop, the minority, uh, the restaurant that wants to open. And what happens then? Well, then they open up and they have this awesome concept that now the office tenants want to even pay more to be around because you're creating this diverse business and restaurant community. So the selfish mindset might not be the first thing in, in you know the team's minds, but um, it certainly does help. And so I think that's important for people to understand that even if Randy Boy is not saying, I guess he's getting something out of it, but that doesn't mean that you know that's his main focus. And it's okay to do the right thing and profit off of it. Yeah. So I think... We've all been imagining what this downtown stadium's going to look like in Knoxville, and we've seen some renderings that are pretty simple. Um, I'm curious from a photojournalist perspective, and of course, Ryan, weigh in too. Aesthetically, was it pleasing? Definitely looked like 1995. When, when the stadium was built, it was strictly, you know, for maybe a couple concerts a year, but mostly just for baseball. And I think over the years, as the industry has evolved, they've also had to evolve as well. Um, Like they've taken out seating uh, portions and put in party decks. Um, So I think that they are adapting to the climate. Um, But I think that this stadium here in Knoxville will come to serve a 2025 audience and not um, have to adapt. Yeah, or party decks in the plan. Yeah, party decks are in the plan. And the you know, you, you mentioned yeah, the the stadium itself looked like it was nineteen ninety five. Now the development around it I thought looked um, modern when you look at the office buildings and apartments overlooking it, but um, that goes back to the, you know, you don't have how much room do you have to grow in a downtown the bulls are going through right now a 10 million dollar project to make sure that they meet new major league codes um and minor league baseball codes but some of the stuff they they can't change like for example uh, i think it was scott strickland that said they were the last stadium minor league baseball stadium to be built where you cannot see the field from the concession lines so it's actually separated by a wall like around you have to walk through your tunnels to get to your seats and so that's something that they just you know at this point really can't control just like they can't control you know not having room for trash and other things and so yeah the stadium itself looks outdated but the district that it's in um is is similar yes it's more office heavy but um one one way it was described to me is that you know these buildings that are surrounding uh the ballpark set the edge and so um, you know, for the Durham Bulls, it was Diamond View. It's their office building, sort of. So the stadium doesn't feel like an island in the middle of a downtown. You have these buildings around the edges of the park that make it feel a little bit more urban and intimate. And so, so um, it's called the Diamond District. The Diamond View is the name of the office buildings that oh, look, yeah, okay. that overlook. Okay. And so, um, in Knoxville, we're going to have residential buildings instead of office buildings, but they're still going to, um, you know, sort of set that edge and, and create this urban, intimate environment for um, Knoxville fans. And so, um, all that just to say that if you look online at some of the visuals and stuff that, that Calvin captured and, and some of our tours around the stadium, I think it's a very fair comparison to be looking at what's in Durham and what's planned for Knoxville down to, um, you know, the fountains that are out front where the, the public plaza is and the open concourse concept, which they have in Durham, where you can walk through the stadium uh, and around the outfield wall. Uh, during the day when there's not games happening, you can cut through the block through the stadium and get views of the field. You know, we were there around lunchtime and there was you know players out there stretching and getting ready for the night's game. That's something that's included in Knoxville. So go check out those visuals that you were talking about because I think you can really paint a picture for what the potential is here in Knoxville. You know, I think to kind of bring all this to a conclusion, I'm curious. It sounds like Durham Stadium, the Bulls have experienced a lot of success and there's been a lot of healthy growth around the stadium and this is a district that's thriving. Do you think we can experience that same level of success here in Knoxville? 
Absolutely. I think the, the foundation is already there. Um, I think the people are here and they're eager for something like this. Um, I think there's probably just a couple hurdles left to pass, you know, in the community uh, and the funding, perhaps. Um, but I think once this, this, this project starts being built and the excitement along with it builds, um, I think Knoxville is ready for it. And it, it could very well uh, look the same or better. Yeah, I think uh, it's the right time for Knoxville. I think the timing is perfect. You know, there is uh, apartment buildings that have gone up in and around the old city. There's, you know, a lot of residents downtown. It's at a point now where I feel like, you know, the restaurants are all filled in and people are taking, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before too, that, you know, for a long time when a restaurant closed, the the traditional Knoxville way to do it was just to fill it in with another, another concept and not really do much to the space. And now we're starting to see some of that next tier level investments in and around Knoxville where you're seeing, you know, big transformative projects, the stadium certainly is one but whether it's you know condos or, or residence uh residences or, or or restaurants you know taking over new buildings and finding new uses that's already happening and so i think there's enough interest in downtown knoxville and enough people that spend time in downtown knoxville that um you know the timing is going to be nice to where i think people are going to flock to that stadium um the the people that might be left behind are the people that don't come downtown that often i think you know randy boyd has uh, in his mind that the young professional demographic is going to be a more important demographic when you're downtown. Uh, I know the Durham Bulls experienced that when their apartments were built. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a nice, uh, a nice community already happening downtown that will support the stadium. Um, but I think, yeah, I think parking and making it easier for people who don't spend all that time in downtown Knoxville is going to be key to take it to that next level. Thank you for coming on the scruffy stuff to talk about your experience in Durham. One more plug for all the great content you've created around this trip and what you learned. Uh, you'll find stories, analysis, photos, videos at knoxnews.com. And there are lots of great ways to stay up to date with what Ryan and the rest of the Urban Knoxville team are doing, Ryan. Yeah, uh, just go down uh, to the podcast description and you'll see a link to both the Urban Knoxville Facebook group. Um, it's a private group. Just have to answer a few quick, easy questions to get in there and start joining in on the conversation. We encourage people to post in that group. It's not just a place for stories. It's a place for you, know, you to get the conversation going. And then the other one is the Urban Knoxville newsletter, which comes out every Friday, which provides even more analysis about what's happening around downtown, as well as some uh, perhaps events happening uh, in the upcoming weekend. To keep up with me and my work, you can follow me on Instagram at Knox Scruff. I'm looking forward to the smell of popcorn wafting through the old city. The sweet crack of the bat. The fans cheering. I can't wait. The sights and sounds. That's another thing, too. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, go back and listen to that one. And definitely come back again next week to see what we're talking about next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.